Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to the final week of our series called Be Kind, Please. I've had great conversations with many of you regarding this topic, and it has been encouraging to know that so many of you have engaged in the kindness challenge. Thank you for taking that upon yourselves. What we're going to discover today is there's going to be this challenge to finish strong. That's what we want to do with this kindness challenge. And if you're hearing about it for the very first time, you're here as a guest and you haven't experienced anything here during the month of February regarding this challenge, I'll talk to you about that as well. It's great to see everybody here. Before we begin and dive into our content for today, I want to go back to last week and clarify a couple of things that I said. If you were here last week, you know I talked about sarcasm and how that can get away from us a little bit as we interact with people. And when sarcasm gets away from us, it can come across as very unkind. Do you remember talking about that last week? Many of you were not happy with me bringing up this whole sarcasm thing. Even now, a few of you have got your arms crossed, you're rolling your eyes a bit. So I want to clarify just a little bit. And I want to share with you when sarcasm is acceptable, when you can use it and freely take advantage of this particular tool. So I I made a little list. Let's clarify sarcasm when it's acceptable. Ready? If you're a parent and you have kids, you should use it 100% of the time. It's a great parenting tool. It really is. All right, sarcasm with your in-laws. Every chance you get. Okay, you've got nothing to lose, so every chance you get, you should go for it. Sarcasm with your spouse. I'm not sure what to tell you on that other than choose your battles wisely and you've got to come to your own conclusions. Sarcasm with your pastor. Now, I want to encourage you to keep that coming because I might think something is wrong if you drop sarcasm in your conversations with me. So please, continue the sarcasm. And if you had to give it up with other people, you can continue with me. We'll be just fine. All right, students in the room, if you're in 6th through 12th grade, when it comes to the relationship you have with your parents and sarcasm, never, (laughs) never. You should never be sarcastic with your parents. You will lose phone privileges if you do that. So never with your parents. Let me just end with this one. It's a personal thing that happened to me on Friday. Sarcasm with the customer service rep who I had to spend 70 minutes with on the phone on Friday, 70 minutes of time that I will never get back in my life. And after 70 minutes, having them ask once again, can you share your account number so that we can resolve the billing issue? And at that point, it was over for me. I lost my marbles and said, you are a communication company. You are wiring the world so we can talk to each other. You're sending messages to space and back every other second, and you can't find my account? 
what's happening here? And Father, forgive me, I was sarcastic and unkind, but after 70 minutes, I lost it. So if you find yourself on the phone, once you cross the 60-minute mark, sarcasm may be acceptable. Sarcasm, it's a challenging thing. And Shanti Feldhahn, in her book, The Kindness Challenge, which we have been using as a resource throughout the series, says this about sarcasm. In an environment with total goodwill, where people know with 100% certainty that the other person cares about them, some teasing can be fun. Yay, sarcasm is okay. She goes on to say, without total goodwill, it gets destructive fast. And I think most of us understand that. That's not new information. Without total goodwill... It gets destructive fast, but then she goes on to say, and this is where we just have to be careful, even with total goodwill, it gets tiring if it happens a lot. So that's the final word on sarcasm. I hope that clarifies how it is acceptable a little bit. We just want to be careful with that, all right? Let's review where we've been in our three weeks so far, and then I'll share today's final big idea for you, and then we're going to look at a very dynamic piece of scripture that speaks to kindness. Let's review. In week one, I said your best spiritual year involves showing others they are valuable by how you treat them, and that's actually the working definition of kindness, It's showing others they are valuable by how you treat them. It really comes out in our actions, right? This is the same definition that our kids are receiving throughout this series as well as they meet downstairs. So families, please have some wonderful conversations about this definition of kindness. It's showing others they are valuable by how you treat them. And we talked all about that in week one. In week two, we said your best spiritual year involves being an extension of God's kindness. And Ben Jones taught on that week. He took us to Romans chapter two, where we looked at some verses there, where we see God's kindness on full display. And God is always extending kindness to us, and he expects those who love him and follow him and have given their lives to him, that we would be extenders of that kindness as well. By the way, if you're here and you haven't heard in a long time about the kindness of God, I want you to know he cares for you deeply. And there is nothing that God won't do to prove his love and his kindness to you. And it is our hope as we walk through this series that we take it upon ourselves as followers of Christ to extend kindness because we want to show other people what God is like. And so if you've never heard that before or if it's been a long time, please know God loves you deeply and wants to extend kindness to you. That was week two. Week three, your best spiritual year involves identifying some ways we may be unkind. And this is where we had some fun last week and we talked about exasperation, sarcasm, and catastrophizing. These are three ways we may be unkind and not even realize it. 
when we exaggerate and we're exasperated and we roll our eyes at everything people say, well, we might not be communicating anything with words, but with our body, with our eyes, with our nonverbal language, we are being unkind. We talked about sarcasm and catastrophizing, right? This is the person, no matter what you say, it's the end of the world. It doesn't matter. The sky is falling. It's all gloom and doom. And sometimes when we catastrophize over everything, well, that can be a bit unkind. So we identified some of those ways where we're unkind and we don't even know it. We may not even see it. And then we said, you know what? Let's put in the hard work. And by the way, it is hard work. It really is. But let's not be afraid to put in the hard work of lifting up other people by being extenders of the kindness of God. In the middle of this series, we also threw out a kindness challenge. I hope all of you are giving this a shot. If you have and you've fallen off a little bit, that's okay. Pick it back up again and try and keep being extenders of kindness. So the kindness challenge. Here's the deal with that challenge. We said find one person. Now, we should be kind to everyone. We really should. But the kindness challenge focused on one person, just one relationship that you want to see improve. Somebody that's valuable to you, somebody that's important. And maybe the relationship is a bit stressed and it's not working well. And so you find that one person, one relationship you want to improve. And then as we have walked through Shanti Feldhahn's book on the kindness challenge, what she said is research shows and validates that if you take three intentional steps with this one person over a 30-day period, your relationship will improve and kindness will flow. Do you remember the three steps? Step number one was say nothing negative about your person either to them or to anyone else. That's step number one. Step number two, find one thing that you can praise about your person and then share that with them. And then step number three, perform one kind act for your person every day for 30 days. So say nothing negative to your person or to somebody else about them. Find one thing you can praise about your person and share that with them and then do one kind act And we take these three purposeful, intentional steps over 30 days. Shanti and her research has revealed that the relationship will improve. I hope you are finding that to be true for you. If not, the 30 days isn't quite up yet. Keep trying. Keep being kind, please. Now, if you're here and you don't know anything about the challenge, it's brand new information for you. I'm glad that you're here because as I sarcastically said last week, once the 30 days is over, we're all going to go back to being our grumpy selves, which, which we actually shouldn't do that, okay? Let's, let's try not to do that. If you're here for the very first time, you get the chance to say, I want to start that challenge. And so we need people being kind in March, April, May, and the rest of the year. And so if you're here for the very first time, I would challenge you to give it a shot. Go to jointhekindnesschallenge.com and you'll be able to find some good assessments there and some good help for you to begin the challenge. And I would encourage you to give it a shot. Okay, the final big idea for this series that I want to share is this. Your best spiritual year. And I do want to keep coming back to that. 
at the top of the year. We said most of us probably would love if this were to be the best year of our lives. We all want that. Well, I then said, if you want this to be the best year of your life, pursue having the best spiritual year of your life first, and indeed, you may have the best year of your life. And so each week we have been adding to how you can have the best spiritual year of your life. And today we're saying the best spiritual year. Here's what it involves. It involves a get rid of and an instead be list. Okay? Get your talk notes out, fill in those blanks there. Your best spiritual year involves a get rid of and an instead be list. And I know that probably doesn't make any sense right now. I hope as we move through our time together and as we look to scripture that I'll be able to bring some clarity to this. Your best spiritual year, a get rid of and an instead be list. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read two verses today in just a moment. The two concluding verses of that chapter, very powerful words. Very appropriate, I think, for where we are today in our culture. Verses 31 and 32, very, very powerful words. And I think you're going to enjoy them. So the book of Ephesians, it's a New Testament book. It's in the middle, really, of the New Testament. It follows the book of Galatians, and then there is Ephesians, and the book after Ephesians is the book of Philippians. These are letters that were written to real people in real cities dealing with real problems. This isn't make-believe stuff. These were actual letters written to people in churches in these different cities. And what we discover in Ephesus is that the church there was a hot mess. They had a lot of behavioral problems. And so Paul, that's the author of Ephesians, as well as Galatians and Philippians. He was an apostle, an early church leader, and a prolific writer in the New Testament. He wrote these three letters and a few other letters But he wrote these letters to real people in real cities in real time. And the church in Ephesus was just a mess. They had all kinds of problems. And so he's beginning to push on behavior. Verse 31, here's what he says. All right, church, here's the deal. I want you to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Let's just pause there for a moment. What if we actually did that as a church, as a faith community? And what if we really took it upon ourselves to say, we're going to get rid of all anger and these harsh words and rage? It'd make a big difference, don't you think? That's what Paul said. I want you to get rid of those things. Verse 32, instead, be kind, there's our word, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I want to dive into these words and tear it apart a little bit and look underneath what is happening here because, again, it's very rich. So let's dive into this. Verse 31, Paul starts by saying, get rid. In the construction of the sentence, this has the idea of let's make a clean sweep. 
let's pull up some weeds here that are a problem and are not helping us. Let's get rid of a few things. Let's make a clean sweep. Well, what did he encourage them to sweep out of their lives? Well, all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of behavior. If you like to circle or highlight or underline or box, whatever you prefer to do, look at that word all in verse 31. We find it there twice, all bitterness, as well as all types of behavior. All means all. (laughs) It means everything. So again, get rid of, here's the list, make a clean sweep of all. If you're anything like me, sometimes you see these lists and you're like, okay, I think I can get rid of that, that, and that. But rage, man, I want to hang on to some rage. That's just kind of me and I need that. Well, Paul is saying, no, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to make a clean sweep of all of these things. And then he goes on in verse 32 to say, instead, be. Okay, so there's our two lists. Get rid of, that's the first part. And then Paul goes on to say, instead, be. And the word picture there is, here is what I want you to become. I want you to become something. Now, I will say, this is one of the things that I absolutely love about reading the Bible and why you constantly hear me say, you got to read this book. Yes, it's an ancient book, but it is alive, and it has so much to say to us today. Ancient words given to real people in a real city, a real church a long time ago, but it is so helpful for us today and so very practical, and it's why we got to open up this book and discover, because here's what we find in Scripture. We see this quite a bit. It's the concept of put off. And we have that in verse 31. Get rid of, make a clean sweep. Pull out these weeds or put off these particular items. They're not going to be helpful to you. And you're not going to be kind if you are any of that. So put off. Now, I have a lot of conversations with people, and one of the things I've discovered is that they often have a hang-up with Scripture because they think it's just full of stuff that you can't do, right? The Bible, stop, 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 don't, 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 no, 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 can't, 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 that's the Bible. And to be honest with you, and in the spirit of full disclosure, you do find those lists, But when you continue to read, what you find in Scripture is put off some of that stuff, but we always find this. Here's what I want you to put on in its place. Here's what you replace, something that's not good for you. Now put this on in its place because you can't just get rid of something. There's a void there. And if we get rid of that without replacing it, we tend to run back to it. And so scripture over and over and over again says, put off. There's some things that you shouldn't do. Stop, right? We see that, but we're always told to also put this on. Now, psychologists, some call this the habit replacement tool. And the habit replacement tool kind of goes like this. 
you evaluate your behavior. And the behavior that is not productive in your life, you say no to that. It's not good for me. And then you replace it with behavior that is more beneficial. You say yes to something else. That's the habit replacement tool. And psychologists and counselors use this all the time. Stop doing that. It's not going to help you. In its place, do this. Well, it's fascinating to me that a long time ago, Paul said, I want to talk to you about a habit replacement tool, church. You've got a few behavioral problems. Let's address it. I want you to put off or get rid of, make a clean sweep of, and in its place now, put on a few things. So we're going to get rid of, and we're going to put something on. Check this out, verse 32. Instead, B, here's what we are supposed to put on. Come to exist this way. Become this. Be kind. Be kind, that's the word. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Quick thought on that word kind. It has the idea of keep on becoming kind to one another. So this doesn't stop after 30 days. It's not a one-time thing or even just a challenge for a short period of time. We have to keep on becoming kind with people. I need to do that to you. You need to do that to me. We need to do that for each other. We keep on working at this even though it is very challenging. By the way, that word kind there is the same word used in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, describing God, which is kind of fascinating. God keeps on becoming kind to us. We certainly don't deserve that, but yet that's what he extends. Great news, great news, and now he wants us to be extenders of that. Now, we keep on doing this. Why? Here's how the whole chapter ends. Because God, here's the motivation. God through Christ has forgiven you. More good news. That's the motivation. I keep on becoming kind because this has already been done for me at a massive level. And so now I just do what God would want me to do for others. Three thinking points. Number one, removing the get rid of list is more difficult than what we might think. Right, that's true. Let's just be honest. Getting rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, all of that stuff, all types of evil behavior, it's hard work. I can't be the only one who feels that way. I'm sure you're with me on that. Let's just acknowledge that it's hard work. The same can be true of the other side, and that's thinking point number two. Successfully implementing the instead be list is more difficult than what we might think because if I have to keep on becoming kind... Oh my goodness, that takes effort. And the other person doesn't always respond in a great way. And we may want to give up and bail, but yet I got to keep on becoming kind. So the instead be list, that's hard work as well. One more thinking point, and I love this one. All right, so if you've tuned out, check back in. We're almost done. Think about this. God's choice on our behalf is the motivating factor for putting in the hard work of being kind. It's not my choice. 
God's choice on our behalf is the motivating factor for putting in the hard work of being kind. So the process of keeping on being kind to other people is not just a good idea. Although I would say being kind to other people is a great idea, but it's more than that. That's really not the motivating factor. It's more than just a trendy thing to do or say. And it's interesting right now, being kind, because of all the harsh rhetoric in our culture and in the world, you're finding this pop up, all of these different campaigns, be kind. So it's kind of a trendy thing to do and say, but that's not why we're doing it. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is because our kindness is a reflection of God's choice to forgive me. Kindness to me. So our kindness is a reflection of God's choice to forgive me through the person and the work of Jesus. So listen to this. All eyes up here for just a moment. When I am kind in a very real way, I am giving other people a picture of what God is like. It's powerful. When I am an extender of kindness, especially when someone may not deserve it, I am giving others a picture of what God is like. Two takeaways. Number one, finish. If you have embarked on the challenge and you have your person, finish. Even if you've fallen off a little bit and I've had some days that I've missed and I haven't done a great job and I haven't taken all three of the steps, so I'm with you on this, but I want to finish. And so if you started it, finish. If you haven't, you're brand new or just haven't jumped into this yet, I would encourage you, here's your takeaway, start. Okay? Finish or start. Let me go back to the big idea. Your best spiritual year involves a get rid of and an instead be kind of list. So let's work hard. Let's put off the things that we need to put off in our lives. Let's pull those weeds. Let's clear all of that. And in its place, let's put on kindness. Be kind, please. Knowing that when we are kind to others, it is giving people a picture of what God is like. I had a chance this past week to sit down with a couple in our church who's had some challenges with kindness in their family. John and Stacy Cummings attend Valley Point and they walk through a period in their marriage and in their family where they really struggled with this. Their story is actually told in Shanti's book on page 77. They're a part of the research here. And so I had the chance to sit down with them and just ask them a couple of questions and I had them respond to this kindness challenge and how it's shaping and changing them. So I want you to watch this conversation and then I'll come back up and we'll step into our communion time. Let's watch this together. answer I think is no. Um, There's a lot of situations where it feels like it's okay. You're in a situation where 
someone is being rude to you, you're in a situation where someone has been dishonest. But ultimately, I think the answer is you have to be back, you have to go back and be kind in that situation because, um, you know, it, it's the right thing to do because kindness doesn't necessarily equal being nice, but you can do everything in kindness. You can be straightforward, you don't need to avoid the conflict, but you can still be kind and have a positive impact on that person you're talking to and people who may be watching. So I think, you know, and that's, and that's someone you don't even know. Um, in a relationship, uh, if you're a, a spouse, a child, um, I think it's, you always should be kind. That doesn't mean you have to be nice. Sometimes you have to say tough things um, and, and, and to correct a child or, or get into an argument with your spouse. But there's, I don't think there's any situation where you don't have to be kind. Again, that doesn't mean be nice. I don't think kindness is ever the wrong approach. Um, and I think the Bible commands it. Um, Colossians chapter, chapter 3 says that you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted um, mercy, kindness, uh, patience, basically the virtues that, that are required. Um, and that means that you must do that. Um, it's not an option. And um, you can't choose one day, you know, walking out the door that, well, maybe I'm only going to do one of these things and not the others. You can't pull out of the driveway um, wearing all those things and as you're driving down the road decide that you're going to take off mercy when you see a homeless person. You know, if we're going to talk about our best spiritual year, we need to have kindness. We need to have all those other virtues as well. Um, but I think kindness is, is one of our most important um, matters. And, and I think that, you know, we weren't given an option there. It's a must, and, and we have to keep that. Probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned about how to treat someone with kindness, I actually learned from John. Um, you know, you never know when you're dealing with someone what they're going through, and um, you know, everyone's fighting battles in this world, and I think that that's probably what John has taught me um, more than anything else. I'm not sure that he even realizes it, but he's always you know, told me, you know, you don't know what that person's going through. And you don't know what battles that person's fighting, and you don't know why that person is, you know, treating others the way that they are. Do I always resolve the issue because I'm being kind? No. But if I fly off the handle, the issue doesn't necessarily get resolved any quicker either. A great example for me is sarcasm, um, and, and, and really, it really reflects on not taking into consideration how other people may feel. I learned very on in my career and uh, 20 years or so ago that through uh, some coursework that it's all about, it, there's an intent and an impact. And I think sarcasm is a great example of that is the person who is using the sarcasm, it may be funny, it may get some cheap laughs, but, and the intent is not there, it's to get the laughs. Um, but really the impact, you don't know how that other pe person is going to feel about that because if they're the object of it. You know, you get into a meeting and the natural thing to kind of break the ice is to get people loosened up. So my natural tendency is to, you know, single someone out, get a cheap laugh. Um, and then, you know, and it, it's going to be someone I know well. So, I mean, it's not, there's no intention, but I really don't know how that person is going to take it and you don't get feedback. <clears throat> So really, that, that's an area where you really have to assess before you say something, whether it's going to be kind or going to be taken as unkind, is how someone can feel, and sarcasm is a great example of that. The, the other point around not um, really taking into account other people's feelings is oftentimes what you don't say. 
uh, one of the things I'm, I'm guilty of a lot, and I really have to, to, to really force myself to do this, is if I see someone do something good, um, I often won't praise them. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that with Stacy. I'm guilty of that with my kids. If they do something that really is, is, is worthy of praise, and to say, hey, good job, oftentimes I, I kind of think to it myself, and I just don't, don't say anything. And really that is an element of unkindness because, you know, people need to be affirmed and, and, and feel good about themselves. And I just, I, I look at that as it is a form of unkindness, just not saying something. Venting. And um, a lot of people don't think about venting as a blind spot or a, a limiter to kindness. You know, a lot of people believe that venting is healthy, that if you just sort of blow off steam or, um, you know, Get get something off your chest that that's good and it's healthy um, and it's actually really not Neuroscientists um, for a long time have shown that ruminating or um, Letting off steam or venting is actually uh, a way that increases frustration um, It builds up more frustration. It builds up more anger. It also tends to make you angry and frustrated around the people that you love the people that you're spending time with um, and in this case, it's usually John. Um, and the way that plays out in our life um, is that um, we have a son, for, for those of you that don't know, um, with multiple disabilities. Um, I spend a, a good portion of my day on the phone with insurance companies that deny services to him, um, service organizations in the county and things like that. But then when uh, the first human uh, approaches me that can listen, which is usually John, um, I vent to him. And um, what ends up happening is, you know, he comes home and I'm venting and I'm getting just as upset when I'm talking to him as I was when I was on the phone. So the problem is now I've gone through that same frustration, that same anger all over again. It doesn't help me, it makes me a more frustrated and angry person. And then John has to listen to it and it puts him in a position where he then gets upset and frustrated and angry. And then he gets worried about me and how I'm handling and you know we have enough stress just raising Matthew um, and then you know that just adds a whole nother layer of it so you know the the unkind part of it is I'm kind of putting both of us through extra stress it's important that that John knows what's going on and to the extent that he needs to know about the situation so that we can maybe try to fix it or come up with a solution that's important because I can't keep him out of the loop but if it's just simply to complain about the systems or the people or a conversation, I try to make sure that it's not just happening for that purpose because that's unkind. And that can sometimes, I can get in modes where that can take over sometimes. It seems harmless enough, you know, you sit around and you vent about someone or something that's not going well. And inevitably, it, what Stacy just described is what happens is you create a very negative environment. And being unkind to someone, um, even if it's behind their back, it does get around to them. I mean, it will reflect on them eventually, but it also makes you feel bad, gets you to be very negative, and the person you're, you're, you're venting with. So I think Stacy made some great points that it really is something that has to be avoided at all costs because there is no such thing as venting that is positive. I was actually uh, able to be part of the focus group for the Kindness Challenge um, by getting in, in touch with uh, Shanti Feldhahn and I was interviewed um, for the research for the Kindness Challenge. Our family story um, is in the Kindness Challenge book. Um, 
as you probably aren't surprised having <laughs> listened to our story, um, it's in the sarcasm chapter. As part of the focus group, um, you know, I had to follow through with doing the kindness challenge. And um, since the book has come out, uh, John and I were able to um, do it with our marriage group. And um, it, it's a challenge. There's no question the kindness challenge is a challenge. And, um, but it's a good challenge. I mean, you learn things from it. And, um, you know, we've been successful in some areas of it and we've been unsuccessful in some areas of it. And, um, but that's okay because you, you learn from that and that doesn't mean that um, you can't improve in different areas. And that's what's great about it. When we did the kindness challenge initially, um, it, it came at a critical time for us because of, as Stacy mentioned, that we, uh, you know, we, we, we were fighting some things in our marriage and our family that, that, that were not good. And um, really the kindness challenge had us focus on sarcasm. And, and really we needed to clean that up because frankly it was having an impact on our family. Um, you know, that, that was a, our, our primary communication style. And while it was funny, um, you know, our, we, we had teenage kids in the house and they picked up on that as a communication style and that, 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 that doesn't play well because they don't necessarily understand the intent of it. So, well, you know, we got a few cheap laughs in the household. That wasn't good for us, for our marriage, and, and for our relationship with our kids. I think that the best thing we can do is not look at the 30-day challenge in a bubble. And that's not how, what it was meant to be. Um, the 30-day challenge is really meant to go beyond the 30 days. It's not meant as an isolated 30 days. It's sort of meant more as a lifestyle change. Um, it's meant to kind of open up your eyes to maybe how people feel, how people think, how you changing the way you react to people, respond to people, how you treat people could change people around you. Your best spiritual year, your best spiritual year. Be kind, please. And if you started the challenge, finish. Finish strong. If not, start and see how God uses you to be extenders of his kindness and helps people get a picture of what he is like. Will you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for some time this month to talk about something that seems so simple but yet it's it's really hard it's hard being kind to people consistently and we allow all of this stuff into our lives that chips away at our ability to be kind in situations God I pray that we would have a fresh awareness of how our words and even our nonverbal actions impact other people and, and how we may be unkind and not even realize it. God, awaken us to that. And I pray that you would use this group here in our homes, in our schools, in our communities, in our workplaces to be extenders of kindness. God, if the world ever needed people just being kind and giving that away, it's needed now. It's, it's desperately needed. So help us to take it upon ourselves to say, we will be kind. We'll be kind. 
give us strength to finish or to start and to move beyond the 30 days and to carry this forward. May it be truly a lifestyle change for us in terms of extending kindness. Give us the strength to do that consistently. We ask now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.